You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 207, Into All the World, The Acts of the Apostles, Part 2. If you were with us last week, um, you heard us jump into really the most exciting book in the New Testament. Uh, The Acts of the Apostles is the first 30 or 35 years of the early church, power-packed, really a a nonstop, riveting read, just one action adventure after another as the early church got started. And um, I really would encourage, if you haven't read Acts of the Apostles in a while, dig in. You'll really be blessed. But we're exploring, last week we talked about the, the, the background material. We talked about the author, we talked about the audience that he was writing to, and then we talked a bit about the text itself. And uh, we're going to build on that today and next week as we dig into the key themes of the Acts of the Apostles. So, if you haven't listened to last week, um, you, don't, you don't really have to listen to these in order, but at some point, make sure you listen to that too, because it'll give you some really helpful background on the Acts. Well, today we're jumping right into the key themes, and the first one is this. The key theme, one of the key themes in the Acts of the Apostles is their mission. What is their mission? You know, if you've read the book, you know that in chapter 1, it opens right where the Gospel of Luke ended with Jesus and his disciples before Jesus was taken back up into heaven. And, and Jesus is, is talking to his disciples. He's really giving them those last few words. He's already given them the Great Commission. Um, he's reminded them. He's told them what he wants them to do. But he reiterates it one last time. And, of course, the disciples, and I'm going to read from uh, Acts 1 and verses 6 through 8, but the disciples, they had come together, and the disciples asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They still saw Jesus as the the Messiah who was going to come restore uh, the nation of Israel to its former glory. And they were still having trouble understanding this whole thing, even after Jesus had risen from the dead. But he he says to them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea in Samaria and then to the end of the earth. And then after that, Jesus was taken up into heaven, leaving his disciples to fulfill their mission. You know, when we talk about mission, we're talking about mission corporately and individually. We're talking about what is the mission of the church throughout the world? What's the mission of us as Christians throughout the world? Um, Do you think about your mission in life? 
Obviously, it's more than just making money. Obviously, it's just more than um, having a great family. Obviously, it's more than just living a great life and, and being a part of a great church. Uh, there's more to mission than that. So what is it? Um, Jesus said that we would be his witnesses. In another place, he said, go into all, this is in Matthew, he says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So if that's our mission, how are we doing? You know, as, as an organization, and, and you know, you know the church is more than just an organization. I mean, the, 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 the language in the scriptures is we are the body of Christ. We represent him on the earth. We're his hands and his feet. So what is our strategy as a church? You know, um, in, in so many circles, the, the idea is, well, we just need to do more humanitarian projects. We need to do more social projects. We need to feed more people. We need to, um, you know, go into poor areas and work. And my goodness, how important is this? Um, supporting organizations that that help those who, who have real needs, Um you know, it's it's a powerful thing. One of the organizations, actually, I can give you two of the organizations that our church supports. One of them is Compassion International, who um, ministers to children and families all over the world through local churches. Compassion International. My wife and I support two children through Compassion International. A powerful um, and effective ministry. Samaritan's Purse. Um, Billy Graham's son, Franklin. Um, has a powerful ministry with Samaritan's Purse, and they're um, doing so much good all over the world. In fact, in many cases, when there's a crisis, they're one of the first organizations on the ground, even before some government agency. So humanitarian and social projects in the name of Jesus are always important. But is that what Jesus told us to do? And in reality, it's not. It's probably part of it, but that wasn't all he told us to do. He said, you will be my witnesses. And obviously we can be witnesses in that way. But then we that other passage we refer to, make disciples of all nations. So there's a little bit more to it. Uh, what about mass evangelism or individual evangelism? You know, we I mentioned Billy Graham. Um, you know, Billy Graham expressed some, some uh, regret towards the end of his life because he said, you know, millions of people have come down in response to the invitations that I've given, but what happened to all those people? Are they in a church? Are they still following Christ? And, um, you know, in, in, in some cases, mass evangelism, in fact, in many cases, mass evangelism really just has not been affected. Uh, it's not that we don't do it. It's not that we don't preach to the crowds when we have the opportunity, but uh, mass evangelism by itself is is just not what's going to change nations. Um, so, so what's the answer there? Well, you know, what we find is anytime we separate something from a local church, um, there's too much chance for people to fall through the cracks. And I've been a part of those mass rallies where, you know, churches come together and, 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 and you know, bring in the, the, the big evangelist and, you know, they have the invitation. But really, are those people integrated into one of those local churches. Because if they're not, the reality is they're probably just going to fall away. What about individual evangelism? You know, I think this is such a powerful way to fulfill what Jesus told us to do. For us as individuals, for our own personal mission, what are we going to do to, to reach the world? Well, hopefully we're witnesses in our individual environments, our jobs, our schools, our neighborhoods, how are we 
being effective witnesses? Are we looking for opportunities? Are we intentional about getting to know our neighbors? Are we intentional about getting to know the people that we work with? Not just to to be buddies with them or to be friends, but to share the gospel with them. And, you know, this is an important thing. Um, I don't really think it's optional for us that are, those of us that are Christians. I don't really think we have that option. We are commanded to be witnesses to Jesus, witnesses for Jesus. And this is, um, you know, really in every arena that we're at. It's not for the professionals. It's for all of us, any of us who call ourselves disciples of Jesus. And then, you know, we're still talking about our strategy um, for our mission. And, uh, you know, it's it's this and this seems to really be have taken off in the last, you know, 30 or 40 years and that's church planting. Because really the the most effective way to reach a community is to put a great healthy local church in that community. It's not just going in and hitting it once or twice a year with, you know, mass evangelism. It's not just going in and reaching the poor and, you know, giving them a bag of groceries or having an after-school program for the kids. Those things are good. But how much better would those things be if they were done through a local church in that community? Church planting is the most effective form of evangelism. And along with church planting, discipleship, making disciples in that local church um, is absolutely essential. And discipleship is really most effective when it's done in the context of a local church. We really can't separate discipleship from the local church. That's what we see in the book of Acts. And then, you know, that's our mission, but what's our message? What are we what are we preaching? You know, you you could go to, you know, different churches and hear different types of messages preached, but you know, the central theme for every church needs to be something along these lines. And this is from Acts 4:12. Peter was standing before the the Jewish council. They were um, you know, basically trying him for healing a, a sick man and, and, and doing it in the name of Jesus. And Peter said this, he said, there is, no, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Wow, no other name by which we must be saved. You know, our, our methods change from generation to generation. Methods change in, in churches. And, you know, you're going to have different types of music and different types of preaching and different types of multimedia and different types of different ways to reach children through children's ministry and teens. Methods change, but the, the message itself is eternal. Methods change, the message is eternal. You know, we can shift our strategy, we can shift our, our methods, but our message never changes. So... That's our mission. Our mission is to proclaim Christ to the world uh, through every way possible. But what we see through the book of Acts over and over again is the local church, uh, Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Silas and other teammates, planted churches all over the Roman Empire. Um, Peter and his team planted churches all over the, the, the nation of Israel and Judah and Samaria and um, in, in Jerusalem. And, you know, you see local churches being planted in communities being one for Christ.
don't go away. We still have a couple more themes to talk about. But I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Miracles in Mark, and the video course by the same name. Miracles in Mark details and goes into great detail about the miracles and supernatural things that are present in the Gospel of Mark. Mark contains more miracles than all the other Gospels. Uh, Mark was much more concerned with what Jesus did than what he said. But what we find is he's also teaching us through the miracles that he includes. Miracles in Mark is uh, perfect for individual Bible study and group Bible study. And check out my video course, Miracles in Mark, that, that goes along with the book. Uh, this is another great, great tool for, for individual study and for small group study. Uh, there's, it's a video-based curriculum with uh, short videos. I don't think any, more, any of them are more than you know 15 minutes long or so. But there's, I, th- I believe, 25 videos in the course. There's curriculum that goes along with it. There's quizzes. Um, it's a lot of fun, and I know you'd enjoy it. So check out um, the links. They're in the show notes, and you will be blessed. Well, okay, we're back. We've talked about our mission, the mission that's present in the Acts of the Apostles. Well, one of the other main themes in the Acts of the Apostles is the Holy Spirit. You know, Luke, in his gospel and in the the book of Acts, really gives us the clearest picture of the ministry of the Holy Spirit anywhere in the New Testament. Uh, one of my favorite little theological books is by a guy named Roger Stronstad called, called The Charismatic Theology of St. Luke. And, and that's really what it is because he is very charismatic in his theology. He details the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He shows the importance of ministering in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Um, but what we have to remember is, remember we just talked about our mission, but if you remember what we read in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses. You know, God doesn't give us his Holy Spirit just to give us goosebumps or to make us feel good. He gives us the Holy Spirit to fill us with power, to anoint us, to equip us to do the work of his ministry, to be the witnesses that he's called us to be. And so what we see, the pattern that Luke gives us, and we're not even talking about the gospel, but here in Acts 2, um, we see this incredible passage of Scripture. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. This is after Jesus has gone back into heaven. The disciples are praying and trying to find out what's next. So they were together, and then in verse 2 it says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, and and, and for many people and many theological persuasions, this is kind of uncomfortable because it doesn't really go along with the the theological persuasion that they're a part of. But we, we can't pick and choose. We can't cut things out of the Bible just because we don't like them. And, you know, while we see this initial infilling in Acts chapter 2 here, (laughs) this is just the first one. 
we can't say as some some of our brothers and sisters might say of other with, with other theological persuasions they might say well yeah this is the first one and then after that it wasn't repeated well the reality is it's repeated over and over again in acts we see multiple fillings of the holy spirit sometimes the same people paul is filled with the holy spirit several times um and and that's okay uh, in, in Ephesians 5, verse 18, Paul tells us, he says, Don't be drunk with wine, where it is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the, the tense there in the Greek, if we translated it literally, it would say something like, Be continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. Or, Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's, the, that's what the Apostle Paul said. And so we see that in Acts. We see people being filled with the Holy Spirit more than one time. And, 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 so, and sometimes people would say, well, why do I need to be filled over and over again? Well, I think the, the simple answer is we leak. Um, we're, 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 we're fragile beings. We're, Paul says we're, um, we have this glory, glory that, that God's put inside of us in these earthenware vessels. And, and sometimes these earthenware vessels leak. Sometimes our humanity gets in and crowds out the Holy Spirit and we just need a fresh anointing and we need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And, and this is not a bad thing. It's not wrong to pray over and over again for God to fill us with His Holy Spirit. But remember, He's doing it to help us live the Christian life, yes, but also to help us be witnesses. So often in Acts, when you see them filled with the Holy Spirit, it takes place in the context of ministry, in the context of reaching others with the gospel. What we also see in, in the book of Acts is we see the, this idea of being led by the Holy Spirit. Um, we see the gifts of the Holy Spirit activated on so many occasions. You know, one of the things that Luke does in his gospel and in Acts is he teaches us through stories. Now, I don't know about you, but this is the, the best way for me to learn is to read stories. Um, I can learn through other, other means, and I can read through other narratives, but stories have a way of, of, of really sticking with us, and we, we can learn lessons from stories that we might not learn otherwise. And Luke does that. His, his, his writings are full of stories that show things in action. Um, so when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, he, he gives us stories where the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, are being employed. He, he gives us stories where people are being led by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you just two quick examples of this, this being led by the Holy Spirit. And, and this is right before, remember, this is in the context of mission. God doesn't just you know, give us the Holy Spirit to make us feel good. He gives it to us to empower us for ministry. And, and this is in Acts 13. Paul and Barnabas are serving as, as pastors in a local church. And they were getting ready, they were thinking about going out on a mission. And here's what it says. Now they were in the church in Antioch, prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And that was Paul before he, they, he changed his name. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So we see in the context of, of worship, the Holy Spirit spoke very clearly and, and led them to what the, the next thing was. Uh, another place where we see uh, the Holy Spirit speaking 
and leading. And, and this is this will wrap up with this one for this episode. Um, this is on the second missionary journey. Uh, Paul and Silas are, are are out and about. They're in Asia Minor, Asia Minor at the moment. Um, they're not sure where to go. And it says they went through. This is from Acts sixteen. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bith- Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them as well. So so we see here the Holy Spirit, and maybe this was a check in His Spirit. Maybe it was a prophetic word. Maybe it was circumstantial. Maybe it was all of those things. But the Holy Spirit blocked certain attempts to go in certain places. And then, when it seemed like the all the doors were closed, God spoke to him in a vision in the night. And, and made it clear where they were supposed to go. So that led to the missionary work in Europe, actually. The next church to be planted was the, the church in Philippi, the first church on the European continent. So just an example, a couple of examples of being led by the Holy Spirit. Well, I'd love to hear from you. We've still got several more important themes to talk about, but that'll have to wait till next time. So I'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on the two things we've talked about today? Mission and the Holy Spirit. Those things are both so prevalent in the book of Acts. What has been your experience in these two areas, in these two arenas? Your mission and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com. Leave me a question or comment in the comment section for today's post. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to get my free newsletter so we can stay in touch. Well, friends, don't forget to be with me next time, and we'll be doing part three of Into All the World, the Acts of the Apostles. 